Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. Welcome to Movie News number 84. Let's break down the latest developments in film and TV like The Last of Us Season 2, Tomb Raider Amazon TV series, and The Boys. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. There is a lot of news to get into this weekend. The news! The news. Also, the Nielsen ratings came out for all streaming. So we're going to get into the numbers. We have top 10 lists for each category of film and TV. So it's, it's for all of 2022. Yeah, all of 2022. It's actually a really interesting list. Some surprises in there. We'll get into that in a minute. But let's get into the box office. There were no major new releases except for Infinity Pool this week and Missing. And so the top box office was Avatar The Way of Water with $15 million this weekend. It's it is, now the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Wow, that's crazy. It's t- at $2.07 billion globally right now. Puss in Boots had another great weekend on its fourth week of release with $10 million, with $140 million total domestically. A Man Called Otto, Tom Hanks' film, made a healthy $6 million on its fourth weekend. It's now at $45 million. Very healthy. That film keeps eating its vegetables. It's extremely healthy. It's on every, keto. Every week. It's, it's like, on keto. It's like five to seven mil a, a week. Also, Tom looks like he lost a lot of weight recently. Have you seen him? Hanks. Yeah, yeah he looks good. I wonder if he yeah. did it for a role. Maybe, maybe. But also, he's getting old. It's good to to watch your diet as you get older. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. But he looks right, fantastic. For, until then, pizza and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Live it up till you're 45. Well, actually, no, he's like 60 now. <laughs> Megan is in fourth place with another six million. It's at 90 million total domestically, so it is going to hit 100 million, no problem. So that's a big success for Blumhouse Pictures. Megan. Me- mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Missing the next new horror release. Made a good $5 million on its opening weekend. Uh, this is a pretty small budget. Storm Reed leads the cast. There's only a handful of people in the film. So uh, considering that it was all basically taking place on a computer screen, that's a good release. It looks like it with the $5 million opening, you'll make about 15 to $20 million total. So good success on that. Plain, Gerard Butler's uh, film is made another $3 million. Is that $25 million in total? I'm shocked at how much money it's making. It's it's doing really well. It's like Michael Coulter also uh, has the co-lead in this film. And just like some people just still love tuning into Gerard Butler action movies. Like that's what people love still. So I'm surprised that its total release, it might make $35 million total. And then Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg's new film, which is the horror second new horror release this week, made $3 million. That's about as expected. It's a very weird-looking film. Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård clearly did it to just do something crazy, not make so it make, make a ton of money. So it didn't have a huge budget. They're not expecting big numbers for this, but just modest numbers to make their money back. So that's a pretty decent opening for that film. Speaking of Gerard Butler, there's this rumor. Someone sent a tweet of, to us about it, thinking that he was cast in Oppenheimer as the pilot who flew the plane that dropped the bomb. It's not true. It's from a parody account, and I've been seeing it. I've been seeing it on, on in the internet. I'm like, Gerard Butler did not get cast in Oppenheimer, from what I know, because that's a that's a parody account where they sent the information from. He'd be way too old to play the. He's twice the age of someone that pilot. Was pretty old age. guy. Yeah, pretty, he, pretty he's, old. He's at least fifty. So the pilot doing that was probably in their early to mid twenties. He also it doesn't fit the vibe of a Nolan movie. <laughs> you know, definitely not. I don't know. But I love Gerard Butler. Yeah, I, I love that, that guy. guy. Come he's on. awesome guy. He's a he's a great guy. Did you know that his um home burned down in the fires California fires two years ago it's terrible yeah he had a huge home in in Malibu and the whole thing burned down Damn. so he rebuilt a home on the property of mostly concrete and metal to prevent that from happening again wow well that's why a lot of homes in LA and Southern California built with concrete mostly mm-hmm. a lot of them you'd be surprised now 
Let's get into the Nielsen ratings for 2022. How about we start with TV series and original series? Let's do it, man. What were the top move series? N- number one, obviously, was Stranger Things with Netflix. 52 billion minutes watched, which is leagues ahead of the second place cat- wow. uh, TV series. And again, when we're talking about Nielsen ratings, we got to take it with a grain of salt. We don't get the complete numbers from these studios because... They depend on the streaming platforms to give them the numbers. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. they might not be completely honest. Some might be a little I, yeah. inflated, but... I think that Nielsen's pretty legit. It's when st- sometimes the streamers will give their own numbers, but Nielsen, I think, is... Well, they pre- get their numbers from the streaming platforms. Okay, all there, right. There's no way to gauge people watching it without getting the numbers from streaming platforms. I suppose so. But what they did change the last couple of years is rather than number of viewers... Now they're adding up number of minutes watched, which I think is a better metric for determining the success of a show. Because eh. it, I mean, because because yeah. uh, I think if you're gonna do number of viewers, if they watch for two minutes, it counts as a few. It's true. So it's better to just count total number of minutes. You get a better idea of the success of the show. The streaming revolution—it's so hard to gauge how many viewers are actually tuning in. But so yeah, that's actually a great point. I'm not saying that Stranger Things didn't do 52 billion minutes watched. I'm just saying that. Always take Nielsen ratings and streaming ratings with a grain of salt because we don't really know. We don't really know. They know. They know, but we don't know. <laughs> Nielsen doesn't know, really. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Stranger Things is still a top oh, absolutely, dog. Top absolutely. Dog. I'm sure it's probably 52 it's, billion, no It's problem. incredible how how much higher it is than number two. Which is Ozark at 31 billion minutes watched. We should probably do an episode on Ozark. Holy crap. People always tell me to watch it. Wednesday is in third place with 18 billion minutes watched. Now, I will say the Wednesday one is actually the most impressive because most of these shows on this list, they have multiple seasons. This is not just for like the season that was released in 2022 of these shows. So Ozark and Stranger Things have four seasons of people. to. I think Ozark might have five seasons of people to watch. So for people to watch. So Wednesday only having one season. It's really impressive that they're at number. It's at number three. With just eight episodes. Not to mention, it came out later in the year last year. This exactly, wasn't like yeah. a spring, early of the or like early winter, late winter, twenty twenty two release. This yeah, was so. near the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter release. So that's huge numbers. Cobra Kai was in fourth place at sixteen billion. Bridgerton fourteen billion in fifth place. Then Virgin River. Then Monster. I don't know that one. Virgin River. Me neither. It's I've on never Netflix. heard of that. Number seven, we have Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which I still have not watched. I don't know if I'll ever watch it. <laughs> Number eight is Love Is Blind. Oh. Number nine, Inventing Anna. Number 10, The Crown. Number 11, The Boys. All the, the way boys. down out of the top 10. But still well, really, it's all time, still though. Really good. I mean, that's for the entire all streaming. So that's really great. That is the Prime Video's number one streamer, though, for original series and is The Boys. It's Amazon's. They only have two on the list. Yeah, so that's number one for Amazon. Netflix is just decimating everybody because everything on here is Netflix, except <laughs> even Ozark. Yeah. Holy crap, the top 10 are all Netflix shows. Yeah, The Great British Baking Show is at number 11 with 10 billion. And then The Umbrella Academy is at number 13 with 10.5 billion. The Last Kingdom, I don't know that one either, 10.4 billion. And then at number 15 on all original series is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime with 9.4 billion minutes watched. What a low number, to be honest, for a Lord of the Rings property to put yeah. out less than 10 billion minutes stream compared to some of these we've never even heard of. Also, Wednesday doubled Rings of Power. They doubled. Because I think... With less if time. You're gonna, if you're going to compare... I, I don't think it's fair to compare Rings of Power to these shows that have multiple seasons like Cobra Kai, Ozark, Stranger Things. 
Um, but you can you can compare them to Jeffrey Dahmer, which got four billion more minutes, and then Wednesday, which doubled Rings of Power. That's really just like I was not. I was expecting Rings of Power to have probably the best numbers for a new show, but seeing that it's at number fifteen, four, number four for for new shows. Inventing Anna also, that's just a miniseries with one season, so that also had three billion, three billion more minutes watched, so it's at number, yeah, number four for new series, so that's shocking. Well, big successes for Netflix. Clearly, Netflix is still the dominant force in streaming. Also, you don't see a lot of Disney Plus or Apple TV here because I think that not as many people have subscriptions to Disney Plus or and clearly not Apple TV. Also Apple TV doesn't have that many shows to watch, so I think that it's harder for them to get membership subscriptions. Netflix has all of the options, so I think that's why Netflix is still the king of streaming. I guess, but it's also, you know, shocking to see when you watch when you're on social media and you see the hype around all Disney Plus's shows, whether whether it's the MCU TV series or their their Star Wars shows, not even have Mandalorian on here, which which is a surprise as well. So it shows you that Maybe just because you see it a lot on social media doesn't mean it's as popular as people think it is. I, w- I wasn't expecting Mando to be here because it's been two years since the last season. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. But I was expecting some Disney Plus shows to be on this. So it's actually very surprising. And it's very indicative of what people, the, are, actually what people are actually watching in terms of the bulk of people. Because I'm shocked that there's not a single Disney Plus show in the top 15. That's surprising. I was expecting at least a couple. All right, let's get into movies now. So according to the Nielsen ratings for 2022, the number one stream movie is Encanto with 27.4 billion minutes watched. Then number two, Turning Red. Number three, Sing 2. Number four, Moana. Whoa, get get us the minutes, bro. How many minutes? Okay, sorry. So Turning Red was 11 billion. Sing 2 for Netflix was 11 billion. Moana for Disney Plus was 8.6 billion. But again, we have a huge discrepancy where Encanto at number one is more than double second place with 27 billion yeah, minutes watched. That's really impressive. The Adam Project number five was six billion minutes watched. I forgot that movie came out last year. <laughs> it was yeah, good. you watched it, right? It's pretty good. I, I, I reviewed it. it. Uh-huh. Number six, Hocus Pocus two at five billion. Number seven, Don't Look Up at five billion. Number seven is a tie between Frozen and Luca at five billion. Number nine, The Gray Man at five billion. That's, yeah, Netflix, yeah. Zootopia, number 11, is 4.4 billion. Coco, number 12, at 4 billion. Eternals, number 13, at 4 billion. Really? Eternals? Frozen 2, at 4 billion, number 14. And then 15th on the list for streamed movies is Uncharted on Netflix at 4 billion. (laughs) So I suppose that Encanto, it's... It's probably the top of the list for films because it didn't get a theatrical release. Yeah. But also, it is a fantastic film, so that it deserves to have the top spot for sure. Because Luca didn't get a theatrical release, and it got uh, less than a, f- a fifth of the number of views as Encanto. So Encanto- but Luca came out two years ago. Oh, did it? Yeah. It wasn't last year? Luca came out in 20... Nine, I want to say 2020, 2021. 2020. 2021, I think. Okay. Oh, gotcha. And Encanto came out last year. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. So that makes more sense. It looks like, so obviously Disney was lacking with the TV series, but it is the dominant force for films on streaming to have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 in the top 15 are Disney films. So they are really the the king 
the top of the mountain for films on streaming. And then obviously Netflix, nothing on Amazon Prime. I just think that Amazon Prime has never had like a really big hit for streaming movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, their original films are never really that special. No, some are special. Yeah, I mean, some are special. Me- Sorry, metal special. Sorry, um, but they're not really big hits like these these uh, companies, these studios. I'm surprised that uh, the Adam Project. I didn't even realize it was that popular. So, congrats to the Adam Project filmmakers for making the fifth most streamed film in the in America. That's really impressive. I'm most surprised that Eternals is the number one Marvel movie on this. It's the only Marvel movie on this. That's shocking. And it came out in 2021, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised that that, that the Eternals is the most popular streamed Marvel movie on Disney Plus. I was expecting a couple more. So maybe, maybe I suppose, since it didn't do well that well to theaters, and uh, in, in its release, maybe people were just curious about it and didn't didn't see it in, in the theaters and were like, okay, I'm going to watch Eternals. So that's interesting that it's the only MCU movie on the list. And when you look at Netflix live action, you have The Adam Project at $6 billion, Don't Look Up at $5 billion, and then The Gray Man at $5 billion. I wonder if they're looking at, is it worth putting over $100 million, especially when you're looking at The Gray Man, $200 million. $250, I think. Easily, $250 million into an action movie that, you know, got 5 billion minutes watched for a film, but, like, you know you want to double that or triple that for sure. And they were probably expecting... Maybe near Encanto numbers with 20 billion minutes watched with that film. So is it worth it to keep investing in huge live-action projects like that that right now aren't doing so well? I, I I would be taking a look at the numbers. But obviously Netflix has giant cities full of cash that they can <laughs> light on fire. Skyscrapers worth of cash. Um, well, but, and also, but also factor in the fact that, I mean, a lot of these Disney movies got theatrical releases, made a ton of money, and are dominating the streaming charts as well. So they're they're getting double the revenue Disney in. But like, but Netflix losing to Hocus Pocus two with yeah. almost all of their films. I mean, the Adam Project beating the Gray Man, Hocus Pocus two beating the Gray Man. They cannot be happy about that. I don't. Yeah, I agree. And also, don't look up. It had a huge budget. Just Jennifer Lawrence and DiCaprio's salaries cost them 50 million no 60 million DiCaprio got 35 and Lawrence got 25 mil so 60 million just on their salaries that film was well over a hundred million dollar budget and so that was a big investment I suppose that they they want more streaming numbers from the films that they're because they're investing 200 million dollars into a movie as opposed to maybe a hundred million for a tv show what's what's the better um, monetary gain there for Netflix? I would say the TV series might be better because you can get more... You get, obviously, way more minutes to watch with a TV series where you have up to 10 episodes about 50 minutes long as opposed to one movie that's two hours long. So, And the thing with Don't Look Up, technically it was released in 2021 in December. It was at the end of the year. End, so end I counted it as 2022. Mid-December, yeah. so that's a 2022 film release because you know it's getting the bulk of its views in 2022. So it maybe would have added another billion to that number so maybe it's up to six billion yeah with it's like week of release mm-hmm. i see what you mean yeah but I'm, I'm surprised that disney had nothing in the in the tv series category and then dominated the film category that's really interesting it's cool to see these numbers and to really gauge like what's popular what people are liking so i'm i'm very curious to see what the next one is going to be and amazon prime you really see there they're, they're slipping trying their best but they're not slipping. keeping up with the netflix and disney plus all right let's get into some news besides the news. that let's talk about the last of us has already been renewed for a second season at hbo max because it is a smash 
hit the biggest show of 2023 so far. The viewership for just the premiere episode has passed 22 million viewers already. We have a new episode dropping tonight on HBO Max. Cannot wait to tune into it. And tomorrow we'll be doing our review because every Monday right now is going to be a Last of Us episode review. We're super excited about it. I'm still ahead of the show with the game, so I can't wait to see what they do with this episode tonight and going forward. Yeah, 22 million viewers for a new show is really impressive. Its premiere had almost 5 million live which is really great for nowadays when you have so many options to watch. So and the that, second episode yeah. had 5.7 million views, went up 22%. Yeah, and then to just gather another 18 million views over the last week is just really phenomenal. A huge hit. That's exactly what Warner Brothers was hoping for by investing so much in this project. So congrats to them. And I'm, I'm very happy with it because the, fil- the show is really well done. This is what happens yeah. when you make a good show. Yeah. Other streaming platforms should just notice and be like, Word of mouth is the best marketing tool you can use. It doesn't matter what IP you purchase. It doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world. All that matters is you make a good show and people will tune in. They'll tell their friends about it. They'll tell everyone, go, you got to watch this show. We yeah. keep telling people to watch this show and they, they're tuning in. They're like, oh my God, thank you so much for telling <laughs> us to watch this. We did the same thing with House of the Dragon. We told people, forget about Game of Thrones and how you feel about it. Whatever. It's past. Reset. It's just a TV Reset. show. Yeah. Watch House of the Dragon because so many people are like, I'm not watching it. I don't want to get broke, heart, heart, heartbroken again. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Just watch it. <laughs> it's good. Love it. <laughs> also... Uh, the show that's going to replace The Last of Us once it's done airing is HBO Max's Succession, which will follow in the Sunday slot in March. Oh, yeah. They just released the the complete trailer for season f- four. Wow, season four is amazing how fast it goes by. And it looks hilarious. The, the trio of kids are a team now. Uh, Logan Roy is teamed up with Tom and Greg. I cannot wait to see what they have in store for us. It's funny. The trailer is just exactly what I wanted, and I can't wait for March. I believe it March 23rd is the air date for Succession Season 4. And even though it's still January or going into February this week, we have a big new release coming in theaters, Knock at the Cab, and the latest film, film from M. Night Shyamalan, starring Dave Bautista, who I keep hearing is giving an incredible performance in this film and is blowing people away. Uh, I know a few people who have seen like early screenings and they really enjoyed it, but obviously it's an M night movie. So it's going to have mixed reactions from audiences, which is always, in my opinion, a good thing to have for films because he's got great original ideas and concepts and controversial films in terms of people liking them or not. So I'm really excited to check this out because even though he's not always a, a banger of a director, sometimes he misses Still love his, his filmmaking. He's a great director. Love his ideas. So really curious about this film. We're going to go see it this week. I think it'll be a success, too. I'm, I'm estimating $20 million opening weekend. There's a lot of hype yeah. for this movie. It's great his, trailers. Yeah, his movies do well at the box office. There's no doubt about that. Next up, we have a new update on Tomb Raider. An adaptation is being produced as a series from Amazon Prime. Origins. Origins. <laughs> again, again. A second origin. <laughs> well, actually, we don't know if this is origin. You story. know it's going to be an yeah, origin. Probably, they can't help prob- themselves. Probably will be. But... They hired someone very talented to to spearhead the show. So it's going to be written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge for Amazon Prime. And they want to make a TV series, movie, and video game all interconnected. I think that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is one of the best forces in television with both Killing Eve and Fleabag. So she stars, wrote, in um, in show ran Fleabag, which is fantastic. And then she wrote and show ran Killing Eve, which is an amazing show as well. So hiring her was a very smart choice by Amazon Prime. She'll definitely infuse 
great storytelling and great writing into the character of Tomb Raider, of Lara Croft as Tomb Raider. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she cooks up. And they haven't cast the lead role yet, so it's going to be a big deal who they cast. There are a lot of great ap- options out there for actresses who fit the bill for Lara Croft. So uh, once that gets announced, I'll, I'll j- gauge my excitement. But right now, they had a great hire in Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I, I can't wait to see her in Indy 5, but I love that she's going back to TV with multiple projects and going back to showrunning and writing because if obviously I'm sure she got a lot of offers for tons of movies to star in and maybe she's writing a movie herself at some point going into the future but i love how she's going back to tv playing to her greatest strengths that got her where she's at right now and having a great opportunity to show run and write for a iconic character that so many people love and you know they've been trying to get this character going for a few years now obviously the alicia vikander origin story did not work out financially but this is a character that people still adore the games are still iconic whether you played the old ones or the new ones so i think it's a really cool decision i can't wait to see what they come up with i hopefully they're not too focused on making the the verse in the universe i hope not yeah because it sounds like they're really trying to push the scope to be as big as possible rather than Focusing on one project at a time, but it does but also, but also they're not. It doesn't say spinoffs. Yeah, it's video game series and film. So maybe it'll just be it'll be different mediums, mm-hmm. but still just the same storyline, which that, would work. That seems interesting. Yeah. rather than focusing like all these studios doing. All right, here's the idea that we're gonna make next year, but here are the spinoffs and sequels to yeah. that movie. It's like, can you make the movie first and make sure it's good? <laughs> Maybe we should do that. Don't worry. You're going to like oh, it. Oh, no, People are going to love it. Trust me. Trust me. We, we, they're going to like it. They can't get enough of it. But how about the sequel? What should we call it? How about make the movie first? Tomb Raider Rise. <laughs> Not saying that's happening here, but I just yeah. hope they you know, learn from mistakes of studios in the past. We will see. Moving on to the M&M's controversy. Now, we don't really bring up hot button topics like this on the podcast, but... <laughs> the boots are hot button. Top. There's a funny new commercial because Maya Rudolph, the, the icon from SNL and comedy, she is now the new spokesperson for M&M, and they released this great little ad of her, how she's like, I'm like, obviously everyone loves candy, and I'm everyone loves me in America, so like I'm the new face of M&M's, and she calls them now Mayas, instead of M&M's Mayas, Mayas. Mayas. <laughs> she's so like, funny. To play on my name. Yeah. She's so funny. I, re- I didn't even realize this thing, the story, until I read it about it yesterday with the boots. And I had no the, idea. The green M&M, they got rid of the boots, and people freaked out about you it. Show, you told me about Maya Rudolph as the M&M spokesperson. I'm like, okay, yeah. you're like, but you don't know about the controversy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they redesigned the characters, the M&M characters, and then- so they, People freaked out. Yeah, the green Eminem didn't have her cowboy boots anymore. It's or candy. like the high rise boots. It's candy. And, and Twitter, some pe- a lot of people on Twitter like had like cried about it. And then Eminem's was like, screw it, we're not doing it anymore. We can't make everyone happy. So it's just I a mean, commercial. Yeah, it's, it's candy. Just, it's just talking candy. It's, it's talking it's talking M and chocolate. Yeah, people need to uh, find better things to do with their time, honestly. Go for a walk and get some sun, <laughs> some vitamin D. I can't deal with this. Go look at a tree. <laughs> Where are her boots? <laughs> <laughs> Never buy M&M's again. Well, speaking of of toxic people on Twitter, we went semi-viral for the first time so, on Twitter. So in viral, like how many views did it get? So it got like over 50,000 views. So a really cool new feature on Twitter is you can see how many people looked at your tweet. You can see the engagement, even though they don't interact with it and, uh-huh. and like like it or whatever, but you can see the views that your tweets get. Why did anyone like it? 
<laughs> but it shows that people are actually looking at a lot of, a lot of content even though they don't engage with it which is cool to see do you think that twitter gets the least engagement in terms of like likes or comments maybe out of all the platforms it's, it's tough to tell yeah but i made a tweet that got over 50,000 views which is the biggest we've ever had so it's it's semi-viral for film tour i would say and like 36 retweets so i was like oh dude this is awesome check this out and i showed anthony it because there was someone tweeted that this tweet is a, a photo of Steven Spielberg and James Cameron, and they wrote, Steven Spielberg has made 19 films in the last 25 years, grossing just shy of $6 billion. Yet, James Cameron in the same time has made just three, now grossing over $7 billion. So basically, they're taking a dig at Steven Spielberg yeah. for not making as much money as James Cameron. Why is that an indicator of... Like, like I don't know. Like I, I get box office is really important, but yeah. it's not the determining factor of who's a better director or this person's better than them. Their movies are better. And than also, just, they're pals. The yeah, they're great Cameron friends. Spielberg are buds. So, but then I quote retweeted that. So I, I retweeted their tweet with my own text, and I wrote, "And I'd still rather watch Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, War of the Worlds, Munich, Ready Player One, and The Fablemans instead of Titanic, Avatar One, and Avatar Two." Now this is just pertaining to the last 25 years, so 1997 and on, obviously. Yeah, they failed to mention Spielberg's dominance in the 80s and 90s. But also, they, yeah. but also I mean, James Cameron, Terminator 2, Terminator. Yeah. These are iconic movies that I absolutely adore. So that's a lot of people, I got like maybe five people like, what about Terminator and Terminator 2? I'm like, read the goddamn tweet. It says the last 25 years, first of all. But then we got some real some real gems. Uh-oh. So here what we go. We, we, haters of the week right here. I had to bring here. in haters of the week early, so... This person wrote, yet no one asked about your shit taste. <laughs> here's, here's another one. Well, you have no taste in movies, plus he made Terminator. I mean, come on. Yeah, he made Terminator in 1981. Oh, my God. How did, You have no taste in movies because you'd rather watch Catch Me If Again than yeah. Avatar? And then here's another one. <laughs> this, is the, this is the best one. Cool, bro. Enjoy your 12th time jerking off to the Fablemans. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, my God. So then I, I was like, then I made another tweet where I screenshotted these. And I'm like, I thought going viral on film Twitter would be a lot more fun than this. Oh, my God. Those are just the top ones. But I got a bunch of like, what about Terminator and Terminator 2? Read the goddamn tweet. Yeah, it says the last 25 years. So, I mean, they're if they're if they're not factoring in Spielberg's amazing run in the 80s and 90s, then you can't factor in James Cameron either. Man. That's pretty toxic. I'm glad I don't handle the I Twitter. Know, <laughs> like, I, and then <laughs> and the way I tweeted it is the three screenshots and then a photo. And so when you have four photos in a tweet, they all kind of show up. Equally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a grid. Yeah. So you can see each one. Yeah, exactly. Like the the, squ- the four rectangle blocks. And uh, I know. No, because if you do three photos, one gets cut off and, and vertically oh, uh, scaled. It's awkward. Cropped. They, one of them gets so cropped. So four is the ideal. Four is ideal for if you're posting multiple photos. And the other sorts through the three tweets and then a photo of Jack Torrance in The Shining where he's at the desk like, like shocked, like uh-huh. the shock face yeah, because oh, yeah, she's yeah. like talking to him. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you heard him, didn't you? He's just like, uh. uh. So basically that was my reaction to reading these tweets. I was like, what is going on? That's funny. Man. And that, it's like that person who ripped the Fablemans probably didn't even see it. But still, you're like your 12th time jerking off to it. I like the movie a lot. I'm yeah. sorry. I like that movie more than you like 
then you and like it's it. It's not like it, you didn't say that Spielberg is better director than Cameron. And I also said that I didn't say I don't like Titanic, Avatar, and Avatar 2. Y'all know we love the Avatar films, and I love Titanic. That's an amazing accomplishment in film. Yeah. I'd just rather watch those other movies instead. I'd rather watch Catch Me If You Can in Minority what, Report. But I was, I was defending the take that box office is more important and makes you a better filmmaker. Yeah, it's like they were putting him up, Cameron up higher than That's Spielberg. That's what they're insinuating. Yeah. So I was like, like box office is important, but come on. And if you, but the ironic thing is, if you actually add up total box office for both their careers, Spielberg's way ahead of him. Probably. Oh, not probably. Definitely. Probably. If yeah. you factor in inflation and factor in the movies that Steven Spielberg has produced, Steven oh, yeah. Spielberg's obviously they're both really important to film. And Spielberg, his touch on film in the last fifty years and what he's done to it's film indelible. is insane. It's indelible. It's insane how many movies he's produced. That's a very uncouth article. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tweet. <laughs> oh, it's a tweet. Okay. Most tweets are uncouth, Anthony. <laughs> All right, I, read, this, I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. <laughs> this is a good quote. I read the New Yorker article about you. It was delightful. Great reference, bro. Your references are out of control. Everybody knows that. Sick reference. Sick reference, bro. <laughs> there's another controversial nice, nice story. Up. So many controversies Controversies. So the there's two more. Yeah, so the Razzies, which I think, I mean, you can look at it as a fun thing, but also I think that the Razzies are, it's in poor taste. It always trash, has, dude. It's always, always been has trash. been in poor taste. And they nominated... 12-year-old actress from the film Firestar, Firestarter, Ryan Kira Ryan Armstrong in the category of worst leading, worst actress nomination. She's 12 now, so she probably was she 10 was a, when she filmed that, or she, 11. She probably was 10 when she filmed the filmed the movie, and it was it's such a ridiculous thing to nominate a 10-year-old as worst actress of the year. Like, what a terrible thing to do. Like, bull, online bullying is hard enough. Being a kid is hard enough. Also, you're working in a, in a, cra in a field where it's mostly adults, you're on huge pressure, and I'm sure she's great in the film. It's just the movie wasn't good, is from what I could fault, tell. Yeah. I mean, she didn't make the movie, but I'm sure she could. She was leaps and bounds better than anyone who works at the Razzies could have ever done in their lives in acting, and she could probably act circles around them in real life. So to nominate a ten year old is so so stupid and in such poor taste and just like so mean spirited. Like what do they think do you think did they think people were gonna be laughing about this? Like what a terrible thing to do. I hope that person whoever did that gets It's the whole it's everybody involved. There's it's like it's like a jury of like, oh let's make fun of bad stuff. It's sad because you hear so many stories about child stars and child actors and what they have to go through in terms of people in public or at their schools bullying them. Like we all know the the stories of Christian Bale, the interviews he did when he was young, how he almost quit acting because of the harassment and bullying he was get done on him when he was a child in school because of Empire of the Sun. Yeah. And then you see this happening to a 10, 11, 12-year-old online by a massive platform, a big website that everyone knows about. It, it. is it's bullying. Really sad. And even... Razzie nominations are bullying. It is bullying, but yeah. also even it happens to teenagers and it's like, it's has so much of an effect on their mind and their and because they're they're trying to find themselves in this world, especially if you're an actor, you can't you can't imagine what that's probably like for yeah. an eleven year old. I'm sure it's really exciting, but it's also I'm sure very intimidating. These are gonna be huge informative years of your life, which is why a lot of child actors, I'm sure they burn out a lot of the times, and especially in the 90s, most of the child actors didn't make it in their careers past 20, 25, and they had so yeah. many problems, and this is probably one of the reasons why. And Im Imagine telling a 10-year-old, you're the worst in the world at what you did to this year. You're the worst at it. One of them. That's horrible. A terrible thing to say. The Razzies they should, are, they should be ashamed the Razzies of themselves. are trash. They should be ashamed They've of themselves. They've always been trash. They should also just disband the entire idea of Razzies, honestly. So you guys- Fuck you, Razzies. Go, go fuck yourselves, bunch of losers.
<laughs> now when we make a movie, worst directors of all time. <laughs> Go for it. I don't care. <laughs> now the fourth controversy of the week. So many controversies this week. It's a hot week, man. This has to do with the Academy Award nominations, in particular with the actress Andrea Riseborough and her nomination for the small film to Leslie. Now to Leslie is the lowest grossing film to ever earn an Oscar nomination, earning only $27,000 at the box office. So hardly anybody saw that. Now, her nomination was a big surprise, and oftentimes there will be people nominated for Oscars for the movies that didn't make any money. This is because anyone who's part of the Academy gets sent movies by the studio, so that they're like, watch our movie, please watch this movie. They're called screeners. Yeah, they're called screeners, and if you're part of SAG, you automatically get them, but also if you're an Academy voter, you get sent a ton of screeners because they, the studio wants you to see their film to try and get a nomination for whatever category, if not multiple. And so even if a movie doesn't make much money, it's possible for nominations to happen. But $27,000 means that like nobody saw the film. Maybe 1,500 people saw it, maybe. And there were a lot of other women who were up for a nomination, uh, most notably Viola Davis for The Woman King. And it was a big shock when Andrea Riseborough's name got shouted out. So there's two reasons around surrounding this controversy. The first reason is that Andrea Riseborough is friends with a, a few other famous actresses. Those actresses posted on social media giving her praise and saying this film is amazing. You're going to watch this movie. Kate Winslet and Jennifer Aniston and a few other actresses. And so people were kind of like, is that kind of unfair that to get that kind of press from famous people? And then the other part of the controversy is that there were emails sent, emails and calls sent to Academy voters urging the actors and producers to watch and then start a word of mouth campaign for the film to Leslie. Now, it's not – the Academy, I don't think, has rules about this. There was one problem with The Hurt Locker when that got nominated for Best Picture. One of the producers of The Hurt Locker emailed Academy voters urging them not to vote for Avatar because it would have been unfair for it to win Best Picture. That's what they said, not me particularly. And, I didn't know about that. Yeah, and so that the producer of The Hurt Locker got banned from the Academy because of because that broke the rule to say, to say don't vote for this movie for Best Picture. They're like they kicked them out. Now, this case, I don't think there is a rule against emailing members of the Academy to watch a film. So the Academy is going to be investigating this over the next week or so, and they'll come to a conclusion. I, I doubt that Andrew Riseborough will lose her nomination, but they might make new rules going forward and guidelines for how you can market and campaign for, for an actor or actress. But then also that being said, studios spend upwards of millions of dollars to campaign for an actor or actress for a category. They hold events, they have luncheons, they send gifts to journalists, they send gifts to Academy voters. Not, it, not packages. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's it's a smooshing, it's like a smooshing campaign. And it is a lot of, it's very similar to like a political campaign running for office. And so that also is like, you get to factor that in. Like, okay, we sent some emails to the Academy voters, but also like some studios spent a million dollars holding fundraise, holding parties and events that inviting Academy of Voters to meet the actor and then and then the actor will have to like go to events and like smooze with these people and and socialize with them to help get votes. So it is the whole system is kind of messed up if you think about it that way. It is pretty weird. Yeah. They should if they're gonna cancel this, they should also like limit fundraising because you can do the studio will spend mil they'll sometimes spend millions to get a nomination. We all know about uh the Shakespeare film um, Shakespeare in Love. Romeo yeah Shakespeare in Love how that beat out Saving Private Ryan at Best Picture because of what was going on with the campaigning for that movie was there's a lot of money put into Shakespeare yeah, Weinstein. For Love by Weinstein. Yeah. 
uh, and basically just trashing, horribly trashing an accurate depiction of a World War II scenario and battle and just destroying Saving the chances, Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan yeah. destroying the chances of that film winning Best Picture, which it absolutely 1 million percent should have won Best Picture, but because of the campaigning done, it was destroyed. Its yeah. chances were killed. So I think, I mean, camp, it's, a, it's a difficult it's kind topic. Of dirty business. Yeah, it, but I get a factor. Like, it's hard to ignore the fact that a lot of money is spent to schmooze people by the studio, but also it makes you realize why some filmmakers like Kubrick never won an Oscar. They besides never did his that honor, honorary yeah. one. He never. He, I'm sure Kubrick was like, "I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah. Like, I'm still, I'm going to go make a movie. So yeah. leave me alone." I, I agree. Yeah, There's, that's my assumption. Yeah, let's move on to no more controversy. I don't think, <laughs> but we still have a lot of news to talk about. This is it's a great episode so far. Now, Willem Dafoe, the goat, is in casting for Robert Eggers' next film. Nosferatu, which is going to be a remake. This one we were hoping was not going to get canceled after the poor box office performance of The Northman, but Lion- is it Lionsgate is going to give him money again to do this. So they're going to make a Nosferatu remake. He's joining an already excellent cast, which is includes Nicholas Holt and probably Anya Taylor-Joy, I'm sure. Yeah, she's confirmed. So those are the three leads right now, and that's that's incredible news. What's ironic about it is that Willem Dafoe already played Nosferatu. When? So in the, there's a there's a spoof uh, comedy called Shadow of the Vampire, which came out in like the early like 2002, maybe maybe even earlier. And he played it's a it's not it's a comedy it's a dark comedy about the production of the film Nosferatu, and then Willem Dafoe plays the actor who played Nosferatu in the film, but in this movie he's actually a vampire, and so the director hired. This guy knowing he was a vampire to play Nosferatu in the Nosferatu film, and they're struggling to like stop him from eating people on set <laughs> <laughs> and keeping him happy, and then and then he begins like taking control of the set. It's really funny. So ironically, he's already played kind of the role of Nosferatu uh, in in the movie. Like he doesn't wear any makeup. He's already like that in real life. <laughs> so it's very funny. It's Check funny. it out. Yeah, Shadow Shadow the Vampire is what I believe it's called. We have to, that sounds awesome. It's funny. Another bit of news, we have a new trailer for a movie starring David Harbour called We Have a Ghost Haunting Anthony Mackie and His Family. It's giving the Thor Love and Thunder floating head vibes for the, the look of the ghosts. Uh-huh. It's like golden glowing. I'm, I'm not, it looks a little odd. I, I feel like it's probably because we haven't seen a ghost movie with ghosts in a long time. I can't even remember the last one, like a big film with ghosts. Like, um, not in, counting like a ghost story. Yeah, not a ghost. Well, ghost story is just wearing a sheet. I mean, like the visual representation of a ghost. Well, this looks like it's kind of in the vein of Casper. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's why it's odd because I I feel like I haven't seen this in a long time. Yeah, it must be a good script though to have these actors involved. But yeah, it looks it looks interesting. I mean, it's a new take. But yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how I feel about like the gold glowing. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's giving Thor love and yeah. thunder the kid's head floating in, in oh, the room. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> next up, Barbarian director Zach Kreger has announced that his next film has been greenlight, greenlit, and it is going to be called Weapons. I believe they're going to try to make it into a franchise, so I'm sure it's an awesome idea. And Barbarian was such an excellent film and new horror story that we've never seen before, so... Cannot wait to check that out. I like how you're holding a marker. Yeah, it's like I'm, uh, I'm important. <laughs> to make you feel strong? It makes me feel <laughs> like an intellectual. He's been holding this marker the whole episode. I just noticed that. Now, next bit of news. Christoph Waltz casting news. He's going to star in an action comedy called Old Guy about an aging contract killer named Terry Eubanks who still believes he's the best at what he does. Stuck at a dead end, 
Terry is thrilled when the company pulls him back in the field, but only to train Gen Z newcomer Willborg, a prodigy assassin with attitude. And spunk. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this synopsis, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The guy who made Con Air is making it really (laughs) interesting. Yeah, we'll find out. Wait for a trailer, I guess. Next up, <laughs> next up, A Quiet Place Part 1, Origins, The Rise of the Aliens. I'm just kidding. It's just called Part 1. Or is it Day 1? Day 1 or Part 1? Uh, uh, day 1. Day yeah, 1. Sorry. Yeah, day 1. My bad. Uh, has announced that Alex Wolf has joined the cast. He'll be co-starring in the film with Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, very excited for this film. Uh, Joseph, I mean, John Krasinski is not involved in the film, so we'll see how it turns out. Look-wise, I'm sure they'll try to replicate his style, his cinematography, and his his uh, approach to directing to try and make it feel like the same kind of space. But we'll find out when we get a trailer. Next up, there's some MCU rumblings Rumbles. involving Ryan Gosling of him playing a character in the MCU, specifically a Fantastic Four film that's currently being developed. And I think they're going to be probably casting pretty soon. I don't know if he's going to be rumored to be in the Fantastic Four or to be like a villain or something. I don't know if this is completely true. Maybe. I, I don't see Gosling ever joining the MCU, but hey, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, Gosling seems to be that kind of kind of actor or actress that just doesn't get involved in comic book movies. You know, DiCaprio's one, you know, this point like Kate, Wins- Kate Winslet, you know. I, I just don't think I don't see him as the kind of actor that would be interested in a project like that. Yeah, but then I was surprised when he took on the when I saw the Gray Man to take on that kind of movie. Well, he was he he was gonna be like a huge. Well, he's it's like its own property. You yeah. know, it's, it's almost they try to do like a Bourne movie. So I get yeah, that. Yeah, all right, that's different. So yeah, I I don't really see Gosling being a superhero. Me either. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but he just doesn't seem like that's something. His entire career, he's avoided it. It'd be like so why if, would he do it'd it? Be now? like if Daniel Day Lewis became. <laughs> A superhero it just wouldn't work, <laughs> or like a villain. <laughs> I don't know. He plays the thing, <laughs> but he, he actually becomes the thing. <laughs> <laughs> he just lives in the desert for a year, becoming a rock. <laughs> I'm the thing. <laughs> What's he good? Smashing time? What does he say? It's clobbering time. It's clobbering time. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising news for the TV show Yellowstone. Kevin Costner's show has landed in the top streaming chart for the first time in its five seasons. The show's performance saw it surpass one billion minutes viewed for the entire week, reaching fifth place amongst all streaming platforms. So very impressive. One billion in a week. Yeah, That's one billion crazy. a week. Yeah. What else do we got here? Party Down. <laughs> They're back. They're back. So there's a revival of the show that was on Stars for are, like two are, seasons. Are we having fun yet? It's kind of like a diamond in the rough of a show. I remember you got me into it. Yeah, and it's, it's just really two funny, seasons. Starring yeah. Adam Scott, Lizzie Kaplan. But I don't think Lizzie's returning. But Jane Lynch, too, is great. Yeah, Jane Lynch yeah. is awesome in it. So pretty much the entire cast is returning except Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, I didn't see her in the photos. However, if you know of the show... I recommend, or you don't, you've never watched it. I recommend checking it out. It's only two seasons. It's a great comedy. Yeah, it's, it's about really- these people who are cater catering wait hosts, wait staff, yeah. wait staff, and uh, for catering. <laughs> you, you got it, man. <laughs> that is actually the word for word synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> but they get into all sorts of shenanigans and drama and comedy. But it's actually really good. Yeah, it, it, I really enjoyed it. It was a cute show, and they're short, the thirty minute episodes. It's coming back to stars. Yeah. And the are fu- there even any other shows on Stars? <laughs> <laughs> I thought Stars was dead. Oh no, yeah, they have the uh, Fifty Cent shows. 
Or on stars. Okay, cool. Like um, power and he's, oh, like, he's got co- like yeah, he's the got, country like, one too. Yeah, he's got like three shows on stars. There's like four Empire music shows, <laughs> yeah. all about the same thing, but it's a different genre. There's the country music one. There's the hip hop one. Yeah. It's all, the, <laughs> but it's the same plot. Yeah, it's it's, it's silly. <laughs> They're just like if it works, let's keep doing it. <laughs> Next, let's up, do it with this banjo star. Yeah. There's actually a fifth controversy this week. A fifth. Yeah. So Mia Goth's doing press for Infinity Pool, and she was asked why horror actors don't get nominated for Oscars and she said that it's time for the industry to change and that horror film actors often get uh, unfairly snubbed. I mean, most she's fantastic in Pearl. She's one of my favorite performances of the year. And I mean, most famously, Tony Collette getting snubbed for Hereditary. What a performance. She really made that movie work. So, And horror films never get the praise from uh, Oscar voters that they deserve. And we've always said that. They rarely get, like, there's only been five horror films nominated for Best Picture. And you can clearly see that many of the films of the last 25 years, some of the best ones are horror films. So I totally agree with Mia Goth. And I mean, hopefully that the times can change and horror films can get the accolades that they deserve. Daniel Kaluuya got nominated for Get Out. But when you think of like screen queens and female actresses in horror films, they seldom get any awards recognition, which is such a disservice to the performance and work they put into these roles because they're difficult roles and it's exhausting, you know, what they have to go through in a lot of these movies. But Tony Collette in Hereditary, I, I, that might be the best performance I've seen in the last four or five years. What did that come out, 2018, something like that? No, it's a lot older than that. Is it that old? 2014. No. Hereditary? 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 No way. 2017. I don't know. 2017. Let me double check. 2017. Definitely not 2018. Because Midsummer is 2019, right? Oh my God, it is 2018. I told you. Oh my God. Listen to Anthony's snobby laugh over there. (laughs) 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 Not not 2018, you idiot. (laughs) You fucking idiot. (laughs) Wow, that's not as old as I thought it was. Got him. Wow, you you got me, man. Got you, bro. Wow, I thought it was way older. See, I know. I see. Look at look, man. I'm holding a marker. I know a few things. Okay, <laughs> look at that marker. How many man. markers are you holding? Zero. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sign of intelligence. It is. That's why I told you. I told you. <laughs> Where did you even get that thing? It's over here on, on my side. Of the, hey, I I have stuff going on over here on my side of the studio that you don't know but about. I'm, I'm like, are you writing with it or something? No, it's, it makes you feel powerful. <laughs> I've never seen you make so many hand gestures. It's an, it's an antenna for my power for my brain and my movie functions in my head. I'm just it's over. <laughs> there we go. I don't know what I was saying. It's just like caterers. Yeah, man. See you later. <laughs> Catering waitresses and servers. But no, yeah, I agree. Tony Collette should have gotten nominated. Uh, I don't think it'll ever change. Honestly, though, no, I really don't. It's we'll the same see. thing with comedy. I think they. For me, I think the Academy believes that it would probably dilute their profession, their craft, and their prestige. And that's why I don't think... They, they like, don't think the genre deserves it. It's what I mean. Yeah. Like, same thing with comedy and horror actors and filmmakers. I think they don't want them in their categories because, for me, that's my assumption is they think it'll dilute the categories, dilute the, the role, the importance and prestige of their awards. Yeah, like I was shocked Lighthouse got nominated for cinematography when it came out because I didn't think it would get any nominations. But I, I really think that Midsommar is one of the better directed films of the last several years. It's, it's really, really well It's really well directed by Ari Aster. Yeah. So. I mean, Nope didn't get a single nomination, not even cinematography? Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. Great great job. If you could go ahead and uh, nominate Nope for uh, Best Cinematography, <laughs> that'd be great. We should do Office We're Space. We're also uh, going to need you to nominate the Northmen. And we're going to need you to do um, 
best cinematography. And if you could just move your desk downstairs, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, and um, oh, there's the stapler. There it is. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my, my, my stapler. Uh, have you have you seen uh, my stapler? Burn the building down. <laughs> <laughs> the glasses. The big. Oh my God, Milton. We should do that sometimes. That would soon. be a blast. Yeah. That was a big news Damn, week. it feels good, good to, to be, be a gangster. gangster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is that it for movie news? That's it, yeah. Wow, what a... Lots what of a, controversies. Lots of controversies, lots Five of Five controversies. We cannot wait for The Last of Us Episode 3 tonight. It's going to feature Nick Offerman in a huge role from the game. Can't wait to check that out. Our review of it will be posted tomorrow on Monday. First then, thing. First thing in the morning, then episodes this week. We got some good ones coming for you. What do we have? This week? <laughs> Did we film anything yet? We're filming oh, we got tonight. Pulp Fiction! Yeah, we're filming Pulp Fiction Finally, tonight. we're yeah. doing Pulp Fiction, a solo episode. We're going to go like two and a half, three hours in depth in this. That will post on Thursday. Yeah. Weekly chat on Wednesday. We'll figure something out for Friday. Be sure to watch Pulp Fiction if you, because we're going to give, we'll give you like four days to watch it before the episode comes yeah, just, out. Yeah, just so. a refresher. Yeah. And we're kind of, like I, I, we talked about it recently, we're doing a, mixing our schedule up where Mondays we're going to focus on TV, bring TV more into the show because... So many people are watching stuff that they want us to talk about. So we're going to be Mondays are going to be TV based. Tuesdays are usually probably going to be off. Wednesdays weekly chat. Thursdays our main big movie episode. Fridays another movie topic. Like we did last week, we did how did the Joker get his scars? So we'll pick a specific thematic element from a certain movie and just break that down. Oh, yeah. And then obviously Sundays will always be movie news. So we're kind of just flip flopping the schedule and mixing things up, playing it by ear. We're scrambling those eggs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Making an omelet. Making an omelet. All right, take care, everybody. Have a wonderful day and night, and talk to you soon. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.